Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Emily, like Chris said, and I'm the small groups director here at The Jar. And I am 36 years old, which means that I am technically a millennial. I'm in the millennial generation. Anybody else here a millennial? Anybody? What about uh, any baby boomers? Anybody a baby boomer? Okay, you. What about Generation X? Yeah, they wouldn't raise their hand anyway, right? Uh, what about uh, Gen Z? Anybody a Gen Z in here? Anybody have no idea of a generation you're a part of? A few of you. Um, well, I recently learned that my two kids, who are seven and three, are a part of the alpha generation. And this generation are basically come out of the womb with a phone in their hand. Everything that they do centers around technology. And um, I know for me, if I need help, like with my tablet or my phone, I don't even go to my seven-year-old anymore. I go straight to my three-year-old, and I'm like, can you help me fix this? Because they know so much more than I do. Well, a few years ago, um, a friend of mine had uh, recently lost her brother. And so one night, we were putting the kids to bed. And whenever we do that, we say a prayer with them together. And um, so we were saying a prayer with our kids, and we prayed for my friend who lost her brother. And my daughter, Autumn, said to me, well, Mommy, what happened to him? And I said, well, honey, he died. And she thought about it for a minute, and she said, well, why don't they just plug him in and bring him back to life again? <laughs> See, the only experience that she had had with death up until that point was a tablet or a phone dying. And she thought, if somebody dies, you just you know, plug them back in, and you can bring them back to life again. Well, wouldn't that be great? If when we were tired or worn down, we could just plug ourselves back in and charge ourselves again, right? Um, if we could just kind of recharge, right? How many of you in here would say, you know, I need a recharge today? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, these past couple years have been draining. I mean, with, with sickness and, and quarantining and inflation and job shortages and political divides and family tensions and all these decisions that we've had to make, it has left many people feeling exhausted and depleted. You know, maybe you're sitting in here and you're only 10 or 15 years old and you're thinking, I'm tired. I got another, you know, 80 years of life left to live and I'm already exhausted. But some of you Generation Zs out there, you've had to deal with quarantining and homeschooling and e-learning and social distance sports and all of these changes. And we have all been through a lot. And it's been a long time. It's been 24 months now since the beginning of the pandemic. And so it's no wonder that some of us are feeling a little worn down. Well, about a year ago, we were about a year into this pandemic, and I was feeling just completely tired and exhausted. And I remember one day I was, I was sitting uh, with God and just kind of talking to him. And I remember just crying out to God and saying, God, why am I so tired. You know, I mean, my, my schedule um, was lighter because with COVID, um, you know, a lot of things had been canceled and it didn't matter, you know, how many times I, I slept in or, or took a nap, I still felt tired. And so when I asked him this question, God, why am I so tired? Immediately, he brought this passage of scripture to my mind. And I want to read to you what it said. This is from Isaiah 40. It said, have you never heard have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. 
Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And when I I read that, I thought, God, I want that so much. I want that, that power, that new strength. And after I read this, um, I felt this just kind of whisper in my heart from God. It wasn't out loud or anything like that. It was just like a whisper in my heart. And I heard him say this, if you commit time to me every week to wait on me, I will renew your strength. And so for the past year, I've been trying to figure out what that means to wait on the Lord. Now, I'll be honest, when I first read this passage, I really didn't know much about the background of um, Isaiah or Isaiah 40, but I learned a little bit since then. And I learned that Isaiah was a prophet, and he wrote these words for the people of Israel when they were held captive in Babylon. Now, this wouldn't happen until sometime later, but God showed him that this was going to happen, and he wrote these words to encourage them. Now, if you don't know anything about the Babylonian exile, so about 600 BC, uh, the people of Israel were kidnapped from their homes and held captive in Babylonia. Now, just imagine if that happened to us. We've seen kind of a little taste of it in Ukraine right now, but imagine that that happened right here in America, that an enemy nation, they came in, they kidnapped us from our homes, they took us from our families, they, they carted us off to some other country and put us in labor camps. I mean, imagine how we would feel. We would feel like we lost everything, everything that we worked for, our, our jobs, our homes, separated from our families. We wouldn't have our churches. I mean, imagine what that would feel like. We probably would feel pretty hopeless right? And I imagine that that's how the Israelites felt as well, that they were feeling, they were feeling hopeless. And get this, this Babylon exile, it didn't last for 24 months. It didn't last for 10 years. It lasted for 70 years. I imagine probably some of them died during this time. And I have no doubt that they started to ask questions, questions like, How long, God? How long until you're going to bring us back home? Do you have a plan in all of this? Are you even paying attention? And after 70 years, they were tired. And I don't know about you, but I've asked some of those same questions over the past two years. How long, God? How long is all this going to last, right? Are you even paying attention? Do you have a plan in this? Do you remember us? in this. But this was Isaiah's advice to those people who were burnt out and they were tired. He said to them, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. So there's got to be something to this waiting on the Lord. So what does it mean to wait on the Lord? Does it mean we just, you know, sit there and look at our watch and say, all right, waiting on you, God, just sitting here waiting on you, just waiting, waiting, waiting. No, no, it's not, a, it's not a passive waiting. This is an active waiting. The word here in Hebrew that is used for wait, it means to trust, to hope, to eagerly expect. So coming back to this, this whisper from God, if you commit time to me every week to wait on me, I will renew your strength. So when I heard this whisper, my first thought was, okay, God, but when? Right? I mean, because I was thinking if I'm going to wait on God, that's probably going to take some time, right? And probably more time than I would typically have in a day to spend with God. So when am I supposed to do this? 
Well, the more I thought about it, the more I realized the only time that I could really commit to wait on God was on my day off. So every Monday, that's my day off, and I have three hours where both kids are in school, and my husband's at work, and I am completely alone. And for an introvert like me, this is like golden time, you know? And uh, the way that I usually spend this time is I sleep, and I kind of scroll mindlessly through my phone. If I'm really motivated, I might read a little bit. But, you know, it's, it's my time. And so when I started thinking about God wanting me to give that time to him, I'm like, oh, no, this is my me time. Like, I'm not giving that time up. Sorry, God. Um, but the more I thought about it, the way I had been spending that time, sleeping, scrolling through my phone, it really wasn't working. I still felt burnout. I still felt exhausted. I still felt tired. It wasn't renewing my strength. It wasn't giving me power. So I thought, all right. I guess I'll give this a try. And you know, there's a term that's really popular in our culture right now um, called self-care, where um, you know, basically if you're, if you're tired, if you're exhausted, then take a nap or uh, get a massage or watch some ESPN. And um, those are all good things. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. Self-care is really important. It can relax you. It can renew your um, energy and things like that. But if you are spiritually depleted, there is no amount of massages that's going to give you hope. There is not any amount of ESPN that's going to renew your strength. If you are spiritually depleted, the only way that you can be spiritually recharged is to wait on God. And that is our big idea for today. Um, If you're taking notes, if you want to write this down, is that when you wait on the Lord, he renews your strength. When you wait on the Lord, He renews your strength. So what does that look like? What does it look like to wait on the Lord? Well, I can tell you what it looks like for me, but it might look different for you. Um, So for me, what waiting on the Lord has looked like is, first of all, I I just unload and I just spill everything to God. Everything that I'm feeling. If I'm if I'm hurt, I'm angry, I'm tired, I'm sad, whatever it is, I just I tell everything to Him and give that all to Him. And then I spend some time um just reading some uh, scripture from the Bible, something that I know is really going to encourage me, like maybe this passage from Isaiah or something like that. And I just read over it and meditate on it and ask God to, you know, speak to me through it. And then I take a little bit of time to just be quiet with God and just listen and see, you know, maybe not, but maybe there's something that he wants to whisper to me, some, um, you know, encouragement or direction or um, some correction even. And so, have I done this every single time I've had a day off? No. But the times that I have have been amazing. And honestly, I really have no idea how it would have made it through the past year without those times. But like I said, um, this might look a little bit differently for you. Maybe for you, waiting on the Lord looks like journaling with God uh, in your car during lunch break. Or maybe for you, it's grabbing a burger with a buddy that you know is really going to encourage you in your faith. Or maybe it's going away to a retreat center for a couple days and just spending some time quietly alone with God. But whatever it is, I, I really encourage you and I hope that you would take some time to wait on the Lord and watch him renew your strength. Now, if you are thinking, hey, I want to start that now. I want to spend some time waiting on the Lord. Well, there's a way that you can start even tomorrow. Um, with something that the JAR is going to be doing called the HOPE Campaign. And the HOPE Campaign is going to be 20 days where we ask anybody who wants to to join us in prayer and fasting that God would do an amazing work through our church, especially on Easter Sunday next month. 
Now, hold on, 20 days of fasting, it doesn't mean you can't eat for 20 days. You don't have to do that. You could fast social media or dessert, or you could just pray and, and choose not to fast, however you want to do that. Um, there's an insert in your program that says Hope Campaign. It'll tell you all about that and a little more about it. But if that's something that you want to do, if you're like, I want to wait on the Lord with you, Emily, um, there's a little blue box on the top right of your Connect card. You can just check that box, and um, we'll invite you uh, to join that group. Um, or you can uh, go on the app, and there's a place where you can sign up on there as well. And we're just going to give you a prayer request every day and an encouraging video from somebody at the jar um, to encourage you in your faith as you wait on the Lord with us. So I hope that you will take that opportunity to wait on the Lord. So what can you expect when you do that, when you wait on the Lord? Well, the writer of Isaiah, um, he said that you would soar high on wings like eagles. Now, I really don't know anything about eagles other than they are a national bird and that they're bald. Although I've never seen a bird with hair, so I don't really understand how an eagle can be bald, but that's about the extent of my knowledge. But a couple months ago, a pastor friend of mine named Wade taught me more than I ever even wanted to know about eagles. And so I want to share with you a little bit about eagles in hopes that it'll help you understand what it really means to soar high on wings like eagles. So the first thing that you should know about eagles is that they have incredible vision. An eagle can see five times as far as the average human being. And just like an eagle, when we wait on the Lord, he amplifies our vision. He amplifies our vision. And I know that this has been true for me as well. So one point, um, when I, one day when I was just waiting on the Lord, and I was talking to him about small groups at the jar, because in my role, that's one of the main areas that I oversee. And I was just asking him, you know, God, what do you want for small groups? What is your vision for small groups? Because up until that time, uh, my vision for small groups was basically, I want everybody to be able to be a part of a small group and to grow to be more like Jesus. And that's not a bad vision, right? I mean, that's a good thing to want and to pray for. But it really wasn't very clear. Right? So I was just praying and waiting on God and saying, God, what, what do you want groups to look like? What, what's your vision for this? And when I started to do that and I waited on him, he just started filling my head with this picture of what small groups could be. And I want to share with you just a little bit of that, um, of how he clarified and amplified that vision. So he gave me a vision for small group meetings sparking hunger for people to read their Bibles and to pray daily and to come to groups seeking answers to their questions. A vision for testimonies of people being healed and set free at small groups, for marriages restored and relationships mended and mental illnesses healed. A vision for friends and neighbors coming to groups and accepting Christ into their lives for the first time. And it went on and on like this. And all of a sudden I had this, this new vision for small groups. It was amplified and I was like pumped and excited. And I couldn't wait to go and to lead and to start um, asking God to bring that, that picture, that vision to pass. So what about you? What do you need a clear vision of? What does your vision need to be amplified for? Maybe for you, maybe your vision for your kids is that they survive until they're 18 because they drive you crazy, right? But maybe God's vision for your kids is that they would become these passionate followers of Jesus that would live out their purpose in, their, in this world, right? Or maybe your vision for your marriage has been, my vision is that we don't get divorced, but maybe God's vision is that he could use you together as partners to impact the world around you. Or maybe your vision for your job is just that you don't get fired, 
right? But maybe God's vision for your job is that you would be able to show his love to every person that you work with and make an impact in their life. You know, Paul, who was one of Jesus' closest followers, wrote this in Ephesians 3.20. He said that God is able to accomplish far more than all we could ask or imagine by the power at work within us. So if God can do more than we can even imagine, we need him to amplify our vision, to see what's even possible so we even know what to ask him for, right? So God waiting on God, it amplifies our vision. Another characteristic of eagles is that they have the ability to rise above a storm. Now, most birds, when they see any indication of a storm, they duck for cover, right? But not eagles. When an eagle sees storm clouds forming, they soar at lightning speeds and they just blaze through these storm clouds and rise up to a place in the atmosphere where it's peaceful. And the same is true when we wait on the Lord. We can experience the same thing. Isaiah wrote in another place, um, he said this about God. He said, for you have been a defense for the helpless a defense for the needy in his distress, a refuge for the storm. And that's your next fill in there. When when you wait on the Lord, you rise above the storm. You rise above the storm. So um, probably the most most difficult storm that um, our family has gone through in the past year has been losing my husband Mikey's dad. He had uh, been having seizures for a while, and his temperature kept dropping, and um, he had been in and out of the hospital, and one day he got really sick, and he took a turn for the worse. And so Mikey and I decided, hey, I think we need to drive up to Sandusky, Ohio, and we need to go see him in case this is the end. So we did that. We drove up there and got there just in time to be able to um, pray with him and see him and uh, say our goodbyes. And the days and the weeks that followed were a storm. I saw my husband cry for the first time. I had to tell my kids that they were never going to see their grandpa again in this life. And then to top all that off, when it was time to plan the funeral, there was nobody that was available to do the funeral. So all of Mikey's family looks at me and they say, Hey, Emily, you work at a church, right? I'm like... Yeah, but I've never done a funeral before. I don't think I could do that. And um, I just felt like completely overwhelmed, and I was barely keeping it together. And, but I felt like that was something God wanted me to do. And, and so I just felt like I was in this storm. So I, I drove home to Indiana to get some stuff packed up, and I'm driving in the car. And so I, I decided to just wait on the Lord, right? I kept my eyes open, but I just cried out to him and prayed to him and told him, you know, everything that was going on and what I was feeling with and asking for his help. And then I, I called up a friend of mine and I said, hey, do you have any idea of where to start with putting together a funeral? I have no idea what, it, what I'm doing. And my friend generously offered to drive four hours to Sandusky, Ohio, and to perform this funeral for us. And it was like, man, this huge weight was off my shoulders. But I wasn't through the storm yet. Um, he still asked me to do the eulogy for this funeral. And so now, you know, I'm like, I have to put together this eulogy. I've never done this before. I'm, I'm just really barely holding everything together. And so I, I drive back to Indiana, 
stay late up, up late into the night, and I'm trying to write this eulogy. I'm trying to think of, okay, what am I going to say that's going to honor this man? And, and I just can't come up with the words. And then when I do get something down, I, like, I try to practice it, and I would break down, and I, I couldn't get through it at all. So I waited on the Lord again, and I just told him, God, I need your help. I can't get through this. I don't know what I'm going to do. Please help me. I can't do this. And when I did that, it was like the words just started flowing through my fingers. He gave me every word, and pretty soon I had the entire thing written. And then when I would go to try to, to practice it, I was able to get through it without completely breaking down and get all the way to the end. And so I was able to give that gift to Mikey's family, and I was able to tell every person that walked into that funeral about this amazing faith that he had and how much he loved the Lord. But I know that I never could have done that without God's help. I never would have been able to do that if I hadn't stopped and waited on the Lord. So maybe you are going through a storm right now. Maybe somebody that you love is sick, or your marriage is hanging on by a thread, or your finances are a mess, and you don't know what you're going to do. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to set aside some time and to wait on God and allow him to help you rise above that storm. You know, I think some of you today, maybe you're just like, hey, when the, when the storm is over, everything will be good. I just got to get through the storm, and then I'm going to be okay. And I think God wants to tell you, no, you can rise above that storm right now if you wait on me. And I can bring you up to a place of peace where you can look down through my eyes on this situation. And so I want to encourage you today, take that time to wait on the Lord, because waiting on the Lord will help you rise above that storm. Well, a third characteristic of eagles, and this is the last one that I'm going to share with you, is that eagles see more clearly as they worship, or at least as they appear to worship. So an eagle, it's really strange. What they'll do is every night at sunset, as the sun is setting, they will stare into the sun for as long as 45 minutes. And as they do, tears will, will pour down their eyes and will cleanse their eyes so that they're able to see more clearly. Right? And it, you would swear if you saw this picture of this eagle doing it, that they were in this moment of worship and that they were, they were crying and moved at this sunset. And just similarly, as we wait on God, we are able to see him more clearly for who he really is. And our only response in that moment can be worship. I know um, there was one moment, um, one day, where I was just sitting and waiting on God, and I was listening to this song, and this song was about how God's love goes on and on and on, and that it's forever and forever. And as I was listening to this song, I just kind of imagined, in my mind, Jesus looking directly at me. And when he was looking at me, his eyes were so full of love, and he just seemed so excited to be able to be with me. And I realized in that moment, he wasn't just, you know, tolerating me, that, that he loved me so much that he was head over heels in love with me, and I saw him so clearly for who he is and how much he loves me. And he wants that for you, too. He wants you to be able to clearly see who he is, to clearly see that his heart just overflows with love for you. Because when we wait on the Lord, we're able to see him more clearly. And as you see him more clearly, he fills you with this new strength. 
and he energizes you and he recharges you. It's just like the writer of Psalm says in chapter 27, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Well, I have a feeling that some of you here need a recharge. You need God to renew your strength today. And so we're going to spend the rest of the celebration today just waiting on God and worshiping him and allowing him to renew our strength. And during that time, uh, we're going to have some prayer volunteers up in front of the stage and up in the balcony. And today, if you are saying, you know what, Emily, I need a recharge, I want to invite you to come up to one of those prayer volunteers and let them pray with you and ask God to renew your strength today. And you know, maybe for some of you, um, you would say today, you know what, Emily, I'm tired. I am tired of trying to do this life on my own without God's help. I am tired of trying to meet this impossible standard and try to keep everything together. I am just tired. And if that is you, I want to encourage you today because Jesus said this. He said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He wants to take everything, everything that you've done wrong, every sin, every mistake, every place that you've fallen short. He wants to take that and he wants to give you grace. He wants to give you forgiveness. He wants to take that need that you have to be perfect and keep it all together. He wants to take that on himself and he wants you to trust him to be perfect for you. And the only thing that he asks in return is that you surrender your life to him, that you give up control and that you trust him with it. And so if that's something that you want, if you want God to take control of your life, if you want to give that over to him and let him take your burdens, then I want to lead you in a prayer. And um, here at the jar, we never pray alone. We always pray together as a family. And so I want to ask you to just um, share this prayer with me and repeat it after me and really mean it in the bottom of your heart uh, if you want him to do that for you. So if you would just close your eyes with me. I repeat this prayer. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Jesus, forgive me. Take my burdens. Renew my strength. I believe you died and rose again so I can live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I want to ask that you all would um, go ahead and stand, and um, we're going to spend some time with worship. And if you did pray that prayer just now with me, I'd love to, to celebrate that with you and be able to pray for you too. So there's a box on the back of your Connect card. Um, that says, I accepted Christ today. If you check that, I'd love to be able to pray over you and um, celebrate that with you. But we're going to take some time right now to worship. And um, like I said, there's going to be some prayer volunteers that will be up front. If you need a recharge today, I want to invite you to come on up and receive some prayer anytime during this song. And I know I need a recharge myself, so I'm going to go right now and I'm going to receive some prayer. And I hope that you'll do that as well. I've got a friend Closer than a brother There is 
no judgment. Oh, how he loves me. I've got a friend, and he is my strength. He is my portion. With me in the valley, with me in the fire, with me in the storm. Let all my life testify.